e-commerce gold is brought to you by rewind accidents happen maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake it's a common myth that shopify has a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store the fact is they don't that's untrue that myth is busted so what do you do you use rewind to equip your shopify store with automated backups Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. It's trusted by over 100,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix, Lord & Taylor, and Moomin. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com forward slash e-commerce gold and get your first month for absolutely nothing free on us. Econ Gold Podcast has partnered with Clearco to provide you with financial tools to grow your business without having to give away equity. Clearco is the world's largest e-commerce investor and growth platform, giving founders the financial tools, capital and network they need to grow. Plug in your Shopify store and your loan could be agreed within just 24 hours. Visit clear.co slash partner slash Vixxr, V-I-X-X-R, for exclusive deals, £1,000 off your first loan as a podcast listener and more information. This show is brought to you in collaboration with Vixxr, a leading Shopify agency with a mission to grow and migrate brands to Shopify Plus. They work with some of the world's largest brands and can help you level up your e-commerce performance. Visit vixxr.com, V-I-X-X-R.com for more information. John, thank you very much for joining us on the Ecom Gold podcast. How are you doing today? Finn, it's great to be here. I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. We are hot weather over here in the UK and where I sit doing this podcast is essentially a very small box with a glass roof so uh, yeah if you see me sweating profusely you know why it's not because I'm under pressure it's because I am well, sweltering we we have you know here here in America we have AC everywhere we're actually going through a crazy heat wave right now in Texas so I'm I'm, I'm based in Dallas and it's unprecedented heat and everyone talks about how Texas is generally hot this is like like hotter than ever before. I think we've broken all sorts of heat records and our, our grid is telling us to conserve energy because it's just, we're, we're like we're like maxed out right now. So it's pretty it's really hot. I think yesterday was like I want to say it got up to 102. So <laughs> yeah. I mean for us I mean hot is like 24 to 26 degrees and we can't we can't you know cope but for you that's like the equivalent of probably like, I don't know 90 to 100 not even that so yeah <laughs> yeah you guys are feeling it for sure I've heard a lot of good things about Dallas I've heard a lot of good things about Texas actually um yeah. it seems to be a hub for for uh trade and on the up and coming is it is it a good place to be have you moved there we we grew grown up there yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually, so I was born and raised in Seattle. Um, so those, you know, I have my, my Amazon roots there. Um, but yeah, so, you know, life kind of brought my wife and I and our kids to Texas for a couple of reasons. So we actually um, were in San Diego for uh, roughly four and a half years. And, uh, you know, it's, it's the classic story of you want more freedom and you want lower cost of living. So you move somewhere else. Um, so, you know, thankfully we have 50 states to choose from. And so Texas was, um, a perfect place to go where, you know, we're going from a small little condo in San Diego to a huge home in, in Dallas. And so, um, it's just one of those, you know, slam dunk moves for our family. Mm, yeah, I understand that. I have been to San Diego and I really did enjoy it, but, uh, yeah, I also beautiful. know how far yeah. the dollar goes in some places in America. It's just incredible what you can get. Yeah, in terms yeah. of well, it's crazy <laughs> because, you know, you're, you're only, you're only traveling, you know, it's a couple hour flight and, and the entire, the entire culture is different. Um, how people speak is different. Um, you know, your cost of living could be like 20, 30% better and it's, um, it's pretty amazing. So I think right now, um, the last report I read at where, where I live in North Dallas, it's the fastest growing County in America. And it's just because we just, we're just building homes after home and grocery stores and movie theaters. And it just, it's, bo it's, it's a boom town. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's very cool. I do envy, uh, the American way of life quite a lot. Actually, I, uh, I do appreciate 
where I live, but uh, also it does seem that you guys just have the best of, uh, of everything. But I'm sure the grass is always greener. But anyway, can you give us some background as to your experience selling with Amazon? This is an Amazon-focused uh, episode of e-commerce gold yeah. and uh we wanted to speak to you because you've got a really good track record with amazon and um we really hope that you can share some of your tactics so what yeah. is your what is your background yeah so um, i'll just go back a little bit so originally um I, you know, I graduated with a degree in construction management i was working on beautiful huge almost billion dollar projects out of, out of school and i thought i was going to do that the rest of my life um in 2014 i, I wanted to start kind of like a new uh, revenue stream. So I started Amazon and that was, uh, private, my first private label was in sporting goods and got, got my feet wet. I was self-taught, made all sorts of mistakes in the beginning. Um, that grew and then I just replicated, you know, the success formula over, uh, five different brands. And so I built those up, um, eventually going full-time with Amazon in uh, late 2017, um, exited my entire Amazon business for this, you know, huge amount of money in 2019 and then pivoted. Um, the story there is, you know, when you sell your Amazon brand, unless you're selling to an aggregator, you're going to have some training involved. So, you know, that, you know, for me, what that looked like, I actually flew to the, to the buyer of my business in Virginia. And then I said, okay, I'm going to sit down with you and I'm going to train you from scratch. And so this is a guy who is a serial entrepreneur. And he said, John, I need your help because, you know, I don't know anything about Amazon, but I love the cash flow side of it. And so, um, you know, I had to train him from scratch. So that was brutal, but also kind of an interesting experience to teach someone the right way. And that's what led to Black Label Advisor, uh, which is what I do now. I consult everyone from people starting out to eight-figure brands. And so basically what I do is I take all of my experience, uh, all of my experience with my clients and, um, you know, consult uh, people on you know, expanding their brand presence on Amazon, optimizing the right way. And it's actually funny that we're filming today on Prime Day in America. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> so, you know, um, you know, I helped, uh, you know, all my clients get optimized and, you know, get everything uh, tidy for Prime Day, making sure all their deals were correct. So there's a lot that goes into the Amazon marketplace. And it's, it's pretty mind blowing how big Amazon is. But Right now in America, Amazon controls over 50% of all digital commerce. And that number is probably going to go to 60%. You know, a lot of people are like, where is it going to land? But at some point, um, Amazon will be viewed as a monopoly because they will, they will literally control, you know, oh, number one seller of uh, toilet paper, Amazon, number one seller of moisturizers, Amazon. So we're getting, we're getting to that point where Amazon is part of the American psyche. And that's good for sellers, not good for, you know, competition. That's kind of a different discussion. Um, you know, I have my own thoughts on that. But from a, a small business owner perspective, you know, it's so critical to have presence on Amazon because that's the first place people go. So, you know, if people are shopping for Christmas, they're not going on Google anymore. They're going to go on Amazon and, you know, maybe they're looking for shaving kits for their husbands, you know what does that look like? And then they, you know, do their research phase there. Then they go off Amazon and they might go to a couple sites on Google and, and maybe purchase off Amazon. But most of the time, you know, those same people are, are staying on Amazon. So you need to have a presence there um, alongside your Shopify site, your, your direct to consumer website, and then also have presence on Walmart and other platforms. So really the, the, the recipe for success is be strong on Amazon, but also be strong everywhere else. Mm. Do you think, do you, how big do you think they can get before government intervene? I mean, we're, so we are, we are there and I'm, I'm definitely deep into the political scene in Texas, but basically what's happening is right now is like the best case, best timing to like have some sort of investigation to break Amazon up. That's, that's, so that's, those hopes are, are gone because come November, uh, the Republicans are going to take back the house and the Senate. And what's going to happen then is you're going to have multiple years where uh, there's going to be no investigation in Amazon. So um, Amazon, I think, is is safe for quite some time. And I think the biggest thing that people want to see is the split off of the FBA arm and the warehousing from everything else. Um, and, you know, consulting clients, the biggest concern that we have is you know, anti-competitive practices. So, you know, for example, Amazon is notorious. Now, obviously you have to 
prove this, but Amazon is notorious for manipulating their own algorithm and boosting their organic search rank and breaking all their rules with pictures and reviews. But at the same time, they will crucify a seller who just started, you know, could be maybe they invested $10,000 and Amazon will be like, oh, you broke that rule, suspended forever. And so, you know, that's, there's a lot of heartburn there inherently. Uh, we saw that also with the warehouse workers and the, the union that started in New York. Um, so you see a lot of workers kind of rising up and saying, we demand better working environments. So there's a lot of like different things happening. But um, at, at the end of the day, I do believe that Amazon is going to come through and, you know, they're going to start negotiating with the union. Um, they have made some effort in uh, seller support. They started their Twitter account specifically for high level issues where people are like, you know, I've been on seller support for a week. No one's helped me. I'm going to reach out to their Twitter account, tag them and see if I can get some help. So there's, there's glimmers of hope of like improvement. Um, Amazon has a long ways to go. Uh, but as long as they continue to improve, um, you know, and, and address those issues, I know in Europe, they have issues with the, you know, with the uh, anti-competitive practices, but um, they're definitely not going to be broken up anytime soon. So a lot of what you see in the media is kind of like, it's just theory right now. It's none of it's even close to reality. Um, So Amazon's definitely safe currently. And who who disrupts Amazon? So if, if, if Netflix disrupted Blockbuster, if Apple disrupted Nokia, uh, if delivery disrupted XYZ, what would it take to disrupt Amazon, do you think? So I used to say it was Walmart. Um, the problem with Walmart, they have a branding problem, right? Um, their their platform um, is is just horrible. Um, their shipping is is pretty atrocious too. Like I actually purchased something recently, and it showed up in a plastic bag. You know, that's like substandard. It should be it should come in a branded Walmart box. You know, so it, it, Walmart is definitely a mess right now. They have you know. I joke around online on Twitter all the time. And I say that they're about a decade behind Amazon. Um, The problem with that is Amazon will be another decade ahead. (laughs) So Walmart has a problem uh, from a, from a, you know, fulfillment stance. Uh, You know, the product selection is messy. They just allowed unlimited Chinese sellers with no regulation. So you're seeing a lot of garbage on Walmart. Um, So the, I would say the only threat really is if Shopify aggregated all of their sellers on one platform and allowed the American consumer to purchase through that platform, that would be a real threat to Amazon. And so basically, you know, those Shopify sellers, they would have their own, you know, they use the partner carriers with with, uh, Shopify, Shopify just bought deliver. So you have, you have that potential there to compete with Amazon, but I'll, I'll say this. So many people have mentioned this to Shopify and Shopify doesn't seem to have any interest in doing that, but that, that would completely disrupt the ecosystem of the market in America, but there doesn't seem to be an appetite for it, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you think in terms of Amazon's main draw? I mean, it's obviously reached escape velocity in it, in what it is and what it does, but it used to be, at least for me, all about the delivery. I knew I could get something very, very quickly. Yep. Um, and I knew that it would, it would arrive, you know, well, well packaged. I knew that it would be with me very, very quickly. And that is exactly why I went to Amazon, obviously that I knew I was likely to find it, but I still yep. generally use Amazon for bits and bobs, unbranded bits and bobs primarily. And sometimes for um, price comparison, but is that still the same today? Is that still the future of Amazon, primarily in the logistics side of the business? Do you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if you look at some recent news articles, they're testing out their drone delivery. So we're we're headed to to an environment where you know sci-fi is meeting reality, and so we're we're going to see a sea of drones at some point in urban in urban cities. So you know, you look at Dallas, for example. Dallas is probably going to be one of the prime cities they're going to unleash the drones. Um, you know, so if your package is, you know, small enough, um, that, that package will probably deliver it to your house in under two hours. Um, and you know, in Dallas, that'd be very easy to accomplish. You just drop the package off in your backyard and then the drone takes off. So that's a really, that's actually a real thing that's happening. They're testing in Texas and California right now. Uh, but you're going to see, um, lots of those little, little machines in the sky pretty soon. 
Um, and that gets into, okay, who else is competing? Well, Walmart that has zero effort in that department of, okay, how can we get products to people in under a couple hours? Uh, they, they're just not capable of doing that. So, um, it's going to take some time, but you know, Amazon just going to stay at the forefront of, of getting faster and faster. And, you know, that's the goal, right? Is just faster logistics. Yeah. I wonder where that stops. I wonder if it's always <laughs> faster because I've used this analogy before, but I'll use it again. In the UK, we, we spent an extraordinary amount of money, something like 60 billion to increase the speed of the trains between Manchester and London, which are two yeah. big cities. And this is still an ongoing project. But the amount of people that travel between Manchester and London every day is few and far between. And also the amount of wow. people that will be traveling between Manchester and London isn't going to increase drastically just because this high-speed train line exists. Wow. And um, the point is, is that when they made that decision, I like to imagine that it was a load of sort of economists sat around a table going, right, how can we improve the customer experience of one of two of our big uh, business experience, two of yeah. the biggest cities that we have? Oh, let's make it really quick to get between them. But actually, a lot of people quite enjoy the train journey. And if they just spent that money on upgrading the trains, putting incredible Wi-Fi in, really yeah. comfy seats, maybe a free meal, you know, people would and and a good working environment, people would actually probably be more likely to make that journey rather than spending, you know, extraordinary amounts of money to cut it down by an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. And my point is, is that when does it become too much you know how how, how fast do you, we really need things delivered um and when does it become you know optimizing for those small percentile differences that cost huge amounts of money to do like that drone thing yeah. it's gonna be a fucking nightmare there's gonna be kids everywhere trying to block the signals trying to drop oh, things off the be, drone it's gonna be crazy yeah Man, I mean, here, here in america i mean you're also gonna have issues of cities and local governments uh banning the use of drones so i mean you're gonna have you're gonna have all sorts of regulation issues with that uh, but I think honestly, I think the goal is is uh, is same day shipping. You know, I personally as a consumer, I don't really care if I get my products in four hours or sixteen hours. But if I get it the same day, um, you know, that's pretty awesome. Um, so I, th I think it it's kind of like you know, Amazon always puts the customer first. And so if you look at for just from the customer journey perspective, if I have an issue with it, could be a, a movie rental on Amazon Prime. Um, it could be. Um, a late delivery, you know, maybe I needed something for a party. I get zero, and I mean zero pushback from Amazon when I want to do a return or there's an issue. The answer is always, you are a valued customer and we will do whatever we have to do to make you happy. And that is what has made Amazon so successful at, alongside the logistics, obviously, but it's just, it's just making my day. I don't want to have to show you proof. I don't have to go take a picture of like a ripped, you know, maybe a shirt arrived ripped, you know, don't make me go to that effort. Um, they don't even ask for those things. You know, they make it so simple to resolve issues. Um, that's, that's, you know, definitely the, the, the reason they've been so, so successful. So how would you summarize to, let's say an e-commerce store owner, successful 10 million plus, revenue through their e-commerce website let's say on shopify they're not on amazon but they say okay give me the main reasons why i should be on amazon what are those main reasons uh, you know it really comes down to you know brand presence you know vast majority of people in america they start that hunt on amazon so you know the fact that amazon controls over 50 percent of digital you know commerce in America, you are losing out on an immense amount of, you know, brand visibility, you know? So if your competitors, you know, let's say you sell radios, for example, if you sell, you know, you have a line of modern radios and maybe you have a couple of competitors that sell modern looking radios and they're on Amazon, well, guess what? Their, their brand presence is going to go a lot faster. You know, it, all it takes is, you know, people purchasing from Amazon, posting on social media, that can go viral overnight, especially with TikTok now, and and you're not there. So, um, you know, you definitely need, and we're seeing this a lot right now, especially on the consulting side, brands are, are like flooding Amazon like crazy. And it's like, oh my gosh, this 2022, it took you guys forever. Like, you know, you're relying on social media ads and Google ads. Like, you know, you're, you need to come to the number one platform in the United States. And so a lot of brands are coming over. And, um, and it really shows. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into Amazon then. Let's break this down. Um, how do you build a brand on Amazon? So, you know, from day one, um, and I always, you know, I go through this with clients all the time. It really comes down to, you know, optimization and your brand story. So you can't just like, you know, throw up some, you know, pretty pictures and call it a day. You know, you have to have a really strong brand story. So for example, um, I had an outdoor kids brand and everything was related to the vision for that brand. The vision was, you know, getting kids excited about the great outdoors once again. So the whole point was producing high quality toys that got kids off of technology and off the couch and got them outside, breathing fresh air and enjoying life outside. So um, everything is tied to that, you know, everything from using real uh, models in your photography, uh, setting up your um, your store, you know, Amazon allows you to do amazon.com forward slash your brand. So to have a storefront that's available to showcase maybe some blog posts, uh, maybe some new, you know, some new uh, products that have been launched, um, you know, on your actual listing, you need to be optimized 100%. So that comes down to, you know, in your bullet points, talking about the main features of your product. How is this going to change my life? How is it going to improve, uh, you know, my day-to-day living and, you know, photography, video production, including a 30-second clip um, showing, um, you know, kids using the product outside and seeing them smile, seeing them laugh, everything needs to be tied to that. And then on Amazon, there's a section called A plus content that, you know, you scroll down on Amazon a little bit and it's right below in the product description. And that's another opportunity for you to develop your brand presence because there you can have a little section called from the brand. And there you can talk about where this brand came from, what inspired it, uh, where we're headed as a company, uh, you know, if you sell men's lotion, this is a great time to talk about, I didn't want to just sell another men's lotion. I wanted to sell something that was, uh, doesn't, didn't have any um, cancer causing ingredients, hundred uh, percent organic, you know, talk about what makes you different. And then, and then below that section, then you obviously have your, you know, additional imagery uh, that fits into the brand. Um, and outside of that, uh, on Amazon, Amazon is um, just fueled by PPC. And so, you know, it's just making sure that you control all the eyeballs and all the traffic. So being really aggressive with advertising and making sure whether it's a, a video ad or a just a regular uh, search result ad, uh, make sure you're optimized and you are, you know, at the top of the fold for people to see. Mm-hmm. So just rewind for me there. So you mentioned Amazon stores and that's something I've played around with a long time ago. And uh, just a quick question. Does Amazon want to mimic the e-commerce platform in terms of something like Shopify? They give you a page. Are they yeah. trying to allow you to create this kind of experience within Amazon? Is that their kind of their intention with that area? So it, it's a... It's in it. Yes, that is their intention. But the reality is this, not that many people go to your Amazon store. So, you know, you you bring in things like Amazon live where you have influencers doing like live videos. That's been a dud, you know, uh, the Amazon store is, you know, it takes a couple hours to set up, make sure you have your media assets to set up. But really what that is, is, you know, it's built in to, you know, show how professional you are. So you you don't even need that. But the standard now is you better have that set up because your competitors are going to have that. Um, so, you know, it, it's not, it's, you can't compare to Shopify because in Shopify, you know, you're going to have a 20% off, you know, pop-up ad, um, you know, you're going to have things related to a blog and you do have some of that stuff on like posts. There's a post feature uh, on your store page, but it's just typically, you know, to be honest with you, what people do, they make it look beautiful from day one and they'll update it, you know, as new products come out, like you might have categories like men's t-shirts, uh, women's t-shirts, and you'll, you'll increase the categories and the variations there. But um, it's kind of a static page. Um, whereas, you know, you have a lot more freedom. You have a lot more design freedom on Shopify to make things look totally different. Whereas on Amazon, it's template based. So, you know, Amazon wants it to look consistent. So it's not like, it's not like you're going to be looking that drastically different from other people. I wonder if their intention was, because Amazon is, for me anyway, more of a high intent 
um, platform. I go there when I'm, I specifically need something and I need to buy it and I probably will buy it within that first session, possibly, um, second yeah. session, but it's a high intent. I'm not really there for, to discover, uh, or browse. I'm there usually with an idea of what I need. I wonder if they were hoping that people would use it more top of funnel and drive traffic to their Amazon pages. Uh, and people just, haven't yeah. it, done that. I mean, it does a little bit, you know, it does increase your traffic and your conversion a little bit, but it's not this, it's not this, you know, mind blowing thing that is going to change your brand. The, the goal on Amazon is, you know, every opportunity Amazon gives you with your brand to, you know, come across as the leader in the space, you should take it, you know? So a lot of people, they're too lazy to do a 30 second video and that's your, you know, picture slot number seven on your listing. A lot of people are like, yeah, I'm just going to throw in another picture or maybe like a sizing chart. But instead, you know, what you should be doing is you should be, you know, doing a really nice, you know, I would say above average video production of, you know, your product being used, have some really good background music, you know, that's all part of building up your story. And you have to just also remember very few people go off, go away from your listing. I mean, not that many people are clicking on your brand's uh, store. So, you know, they're, they're getting hit hard by your infographic pictures on your listing looking at your bullet points, your title, uh, maybe some of your A plus content, A plus content, even that, you know, maybe bumps you up two to 4%, but it's really, really small. They're really looking for, okay. Oh, that's a quick video. Okay. Done. Saw that, watch that. Um, getting some really good information from the infographic pictures and then they're making a really fast decision. So you have, you know, we'll just call it 60 seconds to make that impression on someone. And, uh, and then they're going to either purchase or move on. But, yeah, to be honest with you, um, you know, especially with my clients, you know, I tell them, you know, tell your designer to make it beautiful, but don't stress out about your your store. Your store, it's it's not something you should be worried about. And in fact, I always tell them you should be optimizing your Shopify site. So that's where you have total control. Um, looking at your heat map, you know, looking at you know how's your pop up converting for building up your email list. Um, all of those things. So it's really kind of a static thing. Um, and, uh, and just really focusing on, you know, that first 60 seconds with the customer journey. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with PLPs or product landing pages or product listing pages, depending on where you're from, um, are more important or the most important part of Amazon. How do you get your products to rank effectively? Yeah. So, you know, that, oh my gosh, that has changed so much over the last 10 years. So now I would say the most white hat way to do this. And I say white hat is basically following Amazon's terms of service. Black hat would be, you know, breaking the rules across the board. So for example, you know, you should never be paying anyone for reviews. Everything has to be organic. So Step one is setting up for Vine. So Vine is a uh, review program. It goes to Amazon's exclusive reviewers. And 30 of your units out of the gate will be given to reviewers. And they'll leave a detailed review. And I always tell clients, make sure your product is ready to go to market because these guys are extremely meticulous. And they will rip up your product and give you three stars if you deserve it. So make sure you know everything from the pack- packaging, the opening experience, uh, the quality of the material is there. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's that's the first step in the ranking process. Is so so those guys, up. sorry to interrupt, so that, that Vine Vine is like a, an Amazon accredited network yes. of reviewers. <laughs> so the reason right. why Amazon did that uh, quite some time ago was because everyone was using Facebook groups. So on Facebook groups, you you post, you this is normal, you would post your, your product to the group. Uh, you'd have, you know, maybe 50 or 500 people sign up and you'd give them a discount code. Be like, I'm going to give you a 90% off discount code. And then they would go and purchase your product, use the code, and then they would leave a review. And it was implied, you know, since you're getting a discount code, you should leave me a four or a five-star review. That's completely was never, you know, the goal of this. And Amazon was like, okay, we're going to outlaw everything, but we're going to offer our program and also charge you for it. <laughs> so that's so they charge you. So you have to give your products away free and they charge you. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> How is that any better? I mean, but rationally, you can't stop 
someone from leaving a review and um right the facebook groups must still exist so who who is actually using this so face so facebook groups um have really died so just uh, just think like 99% have died so there there are some people that do facebook groups they are running their account at risk so at any moment their entire account could be suspended okay right. so keep that in mind uh not a single one of my clients uses facebook groups um uh, Every single client that I consult uses Vine. Um, so you have to remember, this is a private business. So, you know, it's their rules. Um, so whatever they decide, uh, you need to follow. Um, so, you know, it's not, it doesn't just stop with Vine. So there are, I'll just call them creative ways. Maybe they fall into the gray area a little bit. But for example, influencer marketing. So very few people talk about this. I talk about it on Twitter a lot. You know, Let's say you have a, um, you know, you've developed some uh, relationships with some Instagrammers and uh, maybe you sell um, a a kid's blanket or a pacifier set and you want to find some mommy bloggers and uh, give them a discount code for their following. Okay. That's great. That this happens all the time. Totally kosher. Everything's fine. And so basically what they do is they do an unwrapping of their, of your product live on their Instagram. And then they're like, Oh, this product is awesome. I've been using it with my kids. Um, here are my kids using it. This is so great. And then they give that code to their following and then they then come to Amazon. Uh, and you know, I would say there's a review rate of between five and 10% for those people. Uh, but the trick is this, you never ask them to leave a review. You simply gave out a code. And so the same thing applies to your email list. Um, every single time you do a launch, Vine is great, but that only gets you 30 reviews. So then the question is, okay, now I'm doing influencer marketing. What else can I do? Um, another option is to wrap in your email list. So let's say you have 5,000 email subscribers. We'll call them your tribe. You know, these are your most loyal people. Um, you know, for example, for, for Father's Day, only that list gets a unique code for Father's Day. So treat them special. Um, give them a unique code, a very steep, significant percentage off your new launch on Amazon, give them that code and say, please, uh, please purchase my products and leave unbiased, uh, feedback if you want to, if you don't want to, that's totally fine. And then that way it's, it's kosher. So you're never, you're never asking for a five-star review. That's what used to happen was I'm only going to give you a code if you promise to do a five-star review. So now it's just about you know, using all these different resources to build up reviews fast. And the, I always tell clients the goal, you, you got to get past hundred as soon as possible. So just blow past hundred reviews and, and you, and you should be fine. So, you know, starting at zero reviews, it's really painful because advertising, you're bringing eyeballs to your listing. And, and that's asking a lot of someone to buy a product with zero reviews. So, you know, you need to build that up as fast as possible. And then over time, the, you know, the return on investment for a PPC gets better and better. Mm, yeah. Reviews are certainly the currency of value, I think, on Amazon. So yeah, absolutely. It's certainly yeah. where I evaluate. Um, okay. So how does that come back around to ranking effectively? Do reviews play a part in that algorithm? Yeah. So the algorithm has, um, has all sorts of, um, we'll just call it a web. And so everything is connected in the algorithm. And it's interesting because every little part plays a role in how Amazon ranks you. So for example, your sell-through rate, like how fast you're selling through product, there's a point system for that, okay? Uh, Your defect rate, so that's your number of returns that people are saying, hey, this this product is defective. If you are doing like, we'll just say 0.1% of, of orders are defective, you're going to have a really high score for that. But if, you're def- if your order defect rate is like 4%, you're getting close to the cap of 5% and you're going to get hit on that. So all those things add up in the algorithm, but the, the biggest drivers are time on Amazon. So how, how much of a veteran are you? Um, and then also, um, you know, your, your inventory management, you know, Amazon wants to showcase and boost up sellers in our, in the search rankings. If you can maintain stock, um, you know, sell through your stock efficiently and quickly. And that in turn keeps the customer happy because the customer doesn't want to keep coming to Amazon saying, oh my gosh, they're out of stock of that color again. 
Amazon is going to reward you for being optimized. And so all those things play into the algorithm. There's no one specific thing that will boost you up in the rankings. Um, another one is PPC. I always call Amazon the mafia because the more you give them money, the more they protect you. And so the more you spend on ads, the, the, the higher you're going to be on rankings. Um, so that's, you know, that's just part of the game you have to play. Does that mean that if, because most of the categories are well-established, they have established um, companies, brands selling and doing all of these things effectively. If you're a company that might be well-established in other channels, but not on Amazon, and you're looking to break into the Amazon ecosystem, you're going to have a lot of trouble uh, by the sounds of things because you're coming up against some very established, long-standing, high-spending brands. So how do you dethrone them? How do you become competitive? Is it just yeah, bottom line ad dollars? Yeah, I mean, that that is such a struggle, especially for brands where they've been direct to consumer for so long. And, you know, on Amazon, maybe the competitors, maybe they have 10,000 reviews now. That's an, that's what I call an unfortunate situation because I would never advise that person. Like if they were coming up with a new private label product to go on Amazon, I would be like, you know what? I would avoid that category because it's saturated. If you are a direct consumer and you've been doing this off Amazon for so long and now you're coming to Amazon, it's still going to be worth it, but it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to have, you're going to have to be really patient. Um, but that the reality is that is your product. You know, that's, that's kind of like a bad situation to be in. But for people who are starting on Amazon, they're researching products and looking at, okay, what do I want to sell on Amazon? They can kind of dance around those issues and maybe target categories where, you know, maybe the top seller has 500 reviews. Um, but that's, that is tough for direct consumer, but you know, the reality is, is get into Amazon as soon as possible and start building up your presence as soon as possible. Because if you keep waiting, um, it's just going to get more and more painful because, you know, six months goes by and now that seller has an additional thousand reviews. Um, you know, you don't just want to keep waiting. You want to, you want to build your presence there and, um, and, you know, make a name for yourself. Do you know if um, building out on some of the more fringe services that Amazon offers, such as Alexa or any of the new products that they bring to market that isn't just the core Amazon business, if you build out, let's say, an Alexa skill for your brand or you build out, I remember they used to do those buttons where you could just do a one tap of the physical button yeah, in yeah. your house. If you start to adopt and, and, and try and use the technology that they're trying out, do you think that gives you any benefit or is it just simply... Uh, an added uh, way to interact with Amazon? Uh, it's just an added way to interact. I mean, really the core with what Amazon wants you to do, and you can see this in their uh, financial statements as a corporation, they want you to spend as much money on PPC as possible. So they, they, they're constantly, and I see this with clients all the time, they want you to continue to expand your budgets and to increase the amount of capital you're allocating. So I always tell clients, Always budget, you know, from a revenue standpoint, if you are, you know, this is, this is a conservative number. So some people land lower, but budget for every million dollars of revenue that you do on Amazon, you're going to be spending on average $150,000 every year just on PPC. So that's kind of the, the range is between 10 and 20% of your revenue is going to be PPC out of the gate. Um, so that, that's really what Amazon wants you to do. You see this in the emails as well. Whenever sellers get emails from Amazon, it's constantly, you know, badgering them, please, you know, please consider increasing your budget. We think that this would benefit your brand. All those emails, it's all tied to spending more on ads. And is it PPC as in just sponsored products on search terms or are there other placements? Yeah, there's above the fold placements. Uh, you have sponsored brand placements, and then you have things like video uh, ad placements, where you know you can be scrolling down in your, excuse me, you can be scrolling down on your phone, and uh, you'll see like a just a short little thirty second video ad, and it's like a really punchy ad that really grabs your attention. Uh, those actually convert really well because a lot of sellers don't want to bother you know doing video production for that. And so that really stands out. It's like, oh my gosh, like, look at this awesome video. I want to, I want to click on that product and, and possibly purchase it. So it comes across as very professional, uh, but you should be, you should have all the modules set up uh, for ads. So, you know, 
if that means recycling some of your video content to create a, a short little 20, 30 second uh, video ad, then do that. Um, but yeah, all, for example, all my clients, uh, they, they're using every advertising option that they can. And obviously budgets will adjust accordingly. You know, if, if one has a better return on investment, you know, there's going to be significantly more budget there for that. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like what you're trying to do is tick the Amazon organic boxes with reviews and, and, uh, low return rates and high customer satisfaction whilst also pumping in cash to kind of tick their commercial boxes and showing that you're with them for the long run and they're trading with you to say, you know, we're going to continue to monopolize and be this huge machine. So you haven't really got a choice. Um, Okay, I can't, I'm starting to understand there. So how about um, if you think you're an incredibly savvy marketer and you think, you know what, sod off Amazon, I'm going to spend a tiny bit on PPC. I'm actually going to drive all my traffic from external Facebook, Instagram, TikTok to my Amazon landing pages. Um, how well does that work? Um, you know, that works well from a, um, you know, sell-through rate. Um, I always advise clients to not do that. And the reason why is you want to be capturing their email so I always tell clients, whatever social media you do, bring them to your Shopify site. So a lot of people, it still shocks me that a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Shopify has MCF or Amazon has MCF program. So it's fulfilled by Amazon, but it's for third party companies. So Shopify orders, uh, all my clients, for example, use the program. Um, their customers have no idea that it's being fulfilled by Amazon, but it is. It's, it's done on the back end. And the beauty of that is you're also increasing your net profit because you're not paying Amazon a referral fee because you brought the customer to your Shopify site. So you're not, you know, we'll just say that 15% uh, is gone. And so you're saving that 15%. You're fulfilling, still using your FBA inventory with Amazon. Uh, the customer doesn't know that it's coming from Amazon uh, and you captured their email. So, you know, I always tell people that email gold just for recycling their information and doing cross promotions and, you know, uh, you know, building up, uh, especially for new product launches and letting them know about it. So that's kind of how I'd invite people to do it. There's nothing wrong with bringing social media traffic to Amazon, but you're really just benefiting Amazon, though, with that, because on Amazon, your customer is not your customer is Amazon's customer. So you don't get, you don't get their email information. You don't get their names. You don't get any of their personal information whatsoever. You're not allowed to contact them um, outside of like maybe a support email um, saying like, Hey, you know, our product is a little complicated. We just want to make sure that it's being used correctly. You can't do any promotional language at all with any customers on Amazon. So you're really losing out on an opportunity there. If you bring all your social traffic to Amazon. Mm, Yeah. 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 I mean, they're just like, when you talk about them, frankly, um, it's kind of quite an oppressive situation, but at the same time, you also have to think of it as I think DTC brands are so used to being in control of everything. You just give up so much of that control in exchange for, the customer attention that is already there. Um, yeah. It's yeah. just and, one of those and, trade-offs. Yeah. The keys to do both though, you know, I, any, any client that I have, they're not doing one or the other, they're, they're doing it all. So, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. Yes. You know, you're tap, you're tapping into, you know, additional market share there that, you know, you're not, you, you don't have any control, you know, you're not capturing any of their information. However, it's helping your bottom line. For your business. So, you know, the social media stuff, bring those people to your Shopify site and view Amazon as an extension of brand visibility and revenue production. So um, that's how I view it. Uh, because on Amazon, you you don't have any control. And that's, you know, that's it's it's painful, but you just have to go into it uh, viewing it a little differently than Shopify. So we spoke a bit about product listing pages and um, I want to dive in a bit more because for me, it's quite a fascinating area because you can't control the format. Uh, the format is a preset layout that everyone has to abide by. So in essence, the playing field is level. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, like, for example, um, different categories have different t- uh, uh, character count limits. Um, your bullet points, um, you know, there are very specific rules for how it's formatted. So yes, from a formatted 
standpoint, uh, format standpoint, it's all the same. But there's still, you know, this is where, you know, creativity comes into play with design. So image one, for example, has to be on a white background and it has to be just the product. You can't have any words, anything like that. It has to be a super simple image. So, you know, there are some things you can do, like adding a little bit of shading, you know, making your product really pop in terms of colors. But image number two, uh, that's where, uh, you know, the big players really shine because, you know, they put a lot of effort into, you know, an us versus them picture. They put a lot of effort into um, showcasing with just beautiful photography with, you know, real models. Like let's say you're selling a kitchen product, you know, rent out an Airbnb and, you know, do a photo shoot uh, with a family using the, you know, maybe you're selling some plates you know, take real photos and use that. And so that's where the creativity comes into play. A lot of people don't want to deal with stuff like that, but that's really the big, the big players who were successful on Amazon are really going to that effort. Mm -hmm. Are there any other places where you can gain the advantage over your competitors on the product listing page? Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about the seventh picture slot. So making sure you have just a quick 30 second video. Um, Sometimes that can be a minute depending on your, you know, the complexity of your product. Uh, and then also in your bullet points, um, a lot of people are like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to like really worry about it. You see a lot of brands like Calvin Klein, like they get really lazy with stuff like this, but really showcasing those bullet points. Um, what are those main features? And also like if you've partnered with a charity, that's a really good place to showcase that as well. So if you have partnered with a, uh, for example, yeah, I partnered with a veterans charity in Dallas one time. And, you know, that was one of my main bullet points, you know, so whenever you're purchasing this product, a portion of the portion of the profits are going to that charity in Dallas. So, you know, use that space wisely. Don't be repetitive and really be very specific. And I always tell people, you know, think, think about this from the consumer standpoint. What do I need to know to make a decision really fast? And so, you know, and then you get into customer service, you know, on Amazon, we have a Chinese seller problem. Um, they really don't care about customer service. They're, they're just there to get some margin and then that's it. So, you know, what does that experience look like when a customer reaches out to you on, on the, uh, uh, on the Amazon messenger system, you know, how are we going to respond to them? You know, I always tell clients to use the Zappos and Amazon model. The answer is, or should be, you know, how can I make your day awesome today? You know, how can I resolve your issue and, uh, and not to push back and just go above and beyond to, uh, to make them happy. So, you know, those are just some simple, um, things you can do to, to really, uh, outshine your competitors. Mm. I like the FAQ section as well. I feel like that's underrated a lot. I use that, um, tremendously where you can ask, the seller questions and you can see the responses so you can see the customer question and the and the response because usually the images don't do exactly what i need to i'm buying something for an obscure use case and i you know and then usually someone else has done the same and they've asked that question and i quickly yeah. can understand okay that is used for that i guess that's a f- i don't know i i kind of i read the top line of the description i read the headline and then i usually scroll to the faq and look for someone who has the same use case as me i don't know why maybe that's just me but i find that area yeah and and it really stands out when the seller you can probably you know agree or disagree but it probably stands out when the seller is being really proactive and not relying on other people to answer the questions and it's like oh the seller has answered very uh specifically you know what what that answer is and you know to me whenever I see the question and answer section and there's, you know, long detailed answers from the seller, it really shows me that they really care about my experience. And that's exactly what my clients do. I always tell them, you know, every little chance you have to interact, you don't have many chances on Amazon, but every chance you have to interact, make sure they're, they come away knowing and trusting you and just coming away super confident that your product is going to be awesome. Um, and, and a lot of people, you know, they, they just don't put the effort into this and, and it really kills them long-term. Mm. And how do you stop that? I know there was a problem. I don't know if it's a problem anymore, but how do you stop, um, companies from stealing your images, your descriptions and things like that? Um, you really can't do much about like technically stealing images or content, uh, just because, you know, you, you don't, you know, you, you can't really control that per se. 
what you can do is, you know, make sure like if your product has a design patent and you're like, okay, that's justified, file that in America right now, that's taking about a year and a half to get. Um, but once you have a design patent, you can control the, the look of your product on Amazon. Um, and then, you know, if, if they're stealing like bullet points, here's the reality. This is, this is the way I've always like looked at it. If they're stealing something for copywriting, one, you, one, you can't enforce anything with that because they can recycle your language. Amazon's not stupid. Okay. Their system knows the first time your content arrived at Amazon, they know if someone else copied you. Okay. So the algorithm can pick that stuff up, you know, via machine learning. Like this is just part of how smart Amazon system is. Just rely on the fact that you are the leader in the space and you care about customer service and you are, you know, using Amazon lending, for example, you're doing everything you can using PPC. Amazon's going to view you as a leader in the space. And if someone copies your listing and, you know, this has happened to me a couple times, their product ends up sucking, to be honest with you. And, you know, their product doesn't last very long. And so they're not, it's just, it's kind of like that heart motive. Go ahead and, and, and steal my copywriting. Um, it's going to hurt you because if you're doing that, that tells me you're doing no product innovation on your side anyways. So that type of stuff doesn't worry me. Uh, what worries me, honestly, and what worries my clients is when, um, you know, hijackers show up in your listing and there's, they all of a sudden they undercut your pricing and they bump you off the buy box. Uh, there, there are a couple different ways to combat that. You can, you can file a brand registry complaint. Uh, you can fire, uh, file a trademark complaint, a copyright complaint, an infringement complaint, or um, a uh, inauthentic product complaint. And then there's also a program called Project Zero where um, uh, once you're enrolled in that program, you can actually get uh, hijackers booted within 24 hours. So Amazon has those tools available to sellers uh, to combat issues like that. Mm. And it's like, I mean, I don't know if I should say this on... on uh on the broadcast, but they, they on Facebook, certainly anyway, uh, up until recently, in my experience, you are able to, uh, purchase a product through Facebook or through Instagram in the States. This is, um, use their checkout. And if you purchase enough of them and then make complaints about the product from different accounts, they will ban the ad account, uh, somewhere in the region of 10. Um, and it can take a long time to reinstate your account because um, it's not particularly difficult to make those purchases, not particularly difficult to do 10. It's not particularly difficult to do them from different authentic looking accounts and to potentially take down a hundred million pound businesses ad account with 10 purchases is a fucking scary thing. Right. Yeah. That's um, and uh, please don't do that. Just anyone listening. Uh, but is the same true on Amazon? Are there things like that? So I could buy a company's products and then just leave them some really um, shit reviews yeah. or vice versa. Could I just put a load of fake reviews on a company's site and try and trick Amazon into thinking that they were paying for those reviews? Do you know what I mean? Like where, yeah. where there's good in the world, there's always bad, right? So how, how does Amazon deal with that? Exactly. So things were, oh my gosh, so much worse five years ago, five years and beyond. Um, so Amazon's gotten really smart, you know, knowing and picking up in the system. Okay. Where's that IP address? Like where did that, where did that negative review come from? It's in all, you know, it's not a verified review. So, you know, if you do see things like that on your account, the best thing you can do is take screenshots and be proactive and say, Hey, Amazon, I'm, you know, creating a seller support ticket and saying, hey, you know, this is a potential uh, bad actor competitor. And I can't prove that, but this is an unverified review. They're making false claims that my product, product injured them, you know, being proactive with that. And that, that's going to increase the number of tickets and evidence in your, in your account. But honestly, I've seen a steep drop off with, with that type of stuff in the last couple of years. So, um not a lot of people lose sleep over that anymore, to be honest with you. Um, the people that were doing that were typically competitors and um, they got in big trouble. So their accounts got suspended. So does random bad stuff happen to good sellers? Yes, but it's extremely rare. If that makes, if that makes sense, it's very, very rare. And, and it does happen. It's extremely unfortunate. 
Um, I've seen, you know, some really bad stories out there, but for the vast majority of sellers, um, that's not the case. I guess having a good track record and being proactive, as you mentioned, is going to help you out there. Yeah. Um, and here's a quick hack for, for anyone listening. So I can't prove this, but, um, I verified this with so many sellers, including myself. So I, I used to have lending up to a million dollars on Amazon. So if you are, if you are taking out a loan from Amazon, think about it logically for a second. If you have a million dollars, you know, in your pocket from Amazon, do you really think Amazon's going to want to suspend your account? <laughs> yeah, true. So it's like it's like call it like an indirect insurance policy. Um, I can't like I can't like tell the world I can prove that, but I've seen that you know showcased you know through you know we'll just call it uh, observed evidence. Um, and so that's something that's, that's useful that helps people sleep a little better at night. But as long as you are maintaining terms of service and, you know, you're consistently using Amazon loans, you're consistently using PPC and you're running your business from one IP address, you know, you don't have like a million weird Amazon accounts, you know, as long as you're staying kosher, um, you know, I like to say 99% of the time you're going to be safe. Um, you know, even when things get really gnarly where Amazon punishes the wrong person, um, there are fantastic, you know, agencies out there like Riverbend Consulting is one or uh, Kenneth Eid is a lawyer firm. You know, he works with a lot of my clients to reinstate listings, for example. And, um, you know, once you bring in counsel that goes to like, we'll just say like an escalated department. So the lawyers start talking and then listings get fixed really fast because, there's a lawyer involved. Um, so there are, there's recourse for things like that. Uh, but I'd say 99% of the time it's, it's not an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's move on to then um, the logistics side. So can you walk us through how FBA works? So FBA first, just give us what that stands for. Um, and then, uh, yeah, how, how it works with Amazon. Yeah. So that's uh, fulfilled by Amazon. So that's pretty much, I'll just kind of give you like a 30,000 foot view. Let's say you're sourcing from China. You produce your your products there. That gets packed um, in cartons, and then you put your FBA labels. That's a label that Amazon produces via PDF. You email that to your factory. They slap that onto your uh, carton. Uh, each so each unit, let's say each carton has a hundred units. Um, each of those units is going to get a little SKU code. So that SKU code is what you know. Let's say you're sending in a thousand units. All, each of those units gets scanned into Amazon and Amazon has a million red lasers at check-in at, at the different warehouses. And then that gets checked in. So that goes from your factory door, um, whether you're sea shipping or air shipping, um, that then comes to your Amazon FBA warehouses. Those are all going to be assigned to you. So whenever you create a new FBA shipment, um, you know, typically Amazon likes to spread, like from my experience, they like to do East coast, West coast and the South. So typically for me, it was Florida, Texas, and California. And so I would split up my shipments into those three locations. And, um, and the beauty of this is you never see your inventory. So, you know, you're sourcing from China. You have, you obviously have an inspection, a third party inspection, you ship it over to America and then it gets split and delivered to the FBA warehouses. And that shows up in your seller account as, okay, you have 500 units in stock now. And so it's, it's that fast. Talk to us a bit about the costs involved and what might affect how much you'll be charged to um, hold your stock with Amazon. Yeah. So, you know, it, there's a couple of things that go into the FBA fees. One is a referral fee. So every category has a different referral fee. Some are really high. Uh, on average, they're right around 15% of your total sell price. Uh, and then your FBA fee includes things like picking and pack fee, uh, your shipping fee. Uh, you know, that's basically the, 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 you know, the kind of the manual packing of all your boxes. Um, that is going to be based off of your, uh, weight and dimensions of your product. Um, so I always tell people when they're first starting out, don't go into like a really heavy, um, you know, 20 pound oversized furniture because you're going to get slaughtered with fees. Uh, so definitely start small if you're a newer seller. Um, if you bring your brand to Amazon, just keep that in mind. There's a great, um, um, uh, link for that. You can just Google it, but it's, you know, the FBA fees. Uh, depending on the, uh, the the 
the dimensions of your products and the weights. Um, so it's, it's no secret. You just have to do some quick math to make sure you have a good understanding of what that's going to cost. And then also depending on the product size and the weight, um, you're going to be paying a monthly storage fee to Amazon. Um, and that's all, that's all part of, you know, what it, what goes into, you know, the fees on Amazon. And then before that, you also have associated fees with trucking, for example. So if you bring in your inventory from your Chinese factory to a warehouse in America, so typically I'd bring it into LA and then I would pay for UPS partner trucking to come pick it up for the three locations. So then you're paying uh, subsidized trucking fees uh, for those three shipments to go to FBA. Mm-hmm. So how about if you're selling out, and I'm I'm not particularly clued up about this, but I know we've got a lot of American listeners. If you're selling in different states um, or you're selling from different states in terms of that's where your stock is, does that have any tax implications? And, you know, it used to, Amazon takes care of uh, sales taxes now for the vast, vast majority of states. Um, if you have an LLC that's formed in your state, um, you're going to have to file uh, sales taxes there anyways. So wherever your business is located, you have to, you have to make sure you're doing that correctly. But that's really, a, that's a really a question, you know, for your CPA to answer. Some CPAs are very aggressive with that. And they're like, you know what, you need to be filing everywhere. Uh, most CPAs now are like, let Amazon take care of it. That's not responsibility. Legally, they're not your consumer anyways. It's Amazon's customer. And so Amazon is technically responsible now, according to the courts here in America, that that they need to deal with the sales tax. Um, and then, yeah, besides that is just uh, filing your sales tax in your home state. And so it's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. In terms of um, getting products uh, with Amazon and uh, things that have been going on over the last 18 months with shipping times, et cetera, et cetera. Are you just at the mercy of whatever Amazon say goes? If there's a delay in getting stuff into the warehouse, you just have to accept that. Like how bad can it get with Amazon? Yeah. yeah. So you are at the mercy of Amazon. So um, that's just a harsh reality. You know, if you have a product, if you have a huge shipment coming in and it's delayed at an FBA warehouse, um, you know, I've seen delays up to six weeks before. There's you can't call twenty times and get that sped up. It, it it's whatever that check-in process is. That's it. So um, you know, it de- kind of depends on the issue. But in terms of logistics, um, if there's a snowstorm, you know, that's going to be an issue. If there's like a sudden flood of people checking in with trucks for Prime Day, for example. So that's why I always tell people when Amazon gives you those deadlines for Prime Day. Um, add two, four weeks onto that, you know, just, you know, always been thinking, how can I give myself a cushion every single shipment that I do? Um, so yeah, you, you are at the mercy, but the key with Amazon is to prep far in advance and, and really, and really focus on, you know, having plan B and plan, plan C ready. Mm -hmm. How are you doing for time? Are you running low on time or have you got 10 more minutes? we We can do 10 more. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the uh, process at Amazon, if something is is damaged or isn't checked in correctly, does that ever happen? And if so, what's their kind of, uh, yeah. I guess, pros- policy on that? Okay. So this gets a little crazy. So um, you, I, I promote a, uh, a company called Gatita um, heavily on social media. And the reason why is because Amazon doesn't go out of their way to let you know that, that your inventory is damaged. Um, so their software will, um, well, basically what, what they'll do is they'll file reports with Amazon and, uh, they'll capture, um, the, the capital that you're owed from Amazon. So, um, sellers have to rely on software to do that for them because Amazon is really bad about letting you know that you are owed money. So that happens all the time. Things get damaged, things get lost. You know, when you're, you know, let's say you're bringing inventory to Los Angeles and then Amazon splits it up to 12 warehouses. Sometimes it gets lost, but you know, you want to make sure you recoup that cost. So, you know, that's where a software like Atita comes in and, uh, and takes care of it for you. Mm-hmm. Any other tools that you recommend using to sort of keep Amazon in check? Um, that's really, that's, that's really the biggest one for financials. Um, you know, Another one that I like to use is called Feedback Wiz. That's for email management. So that's, you know, making sure that each and every customer is getting at least one email um, asking for an unbiased review. 
Um, so Amazon, you know, they have very specific rules. You have to be really careful about how you, how you write those emails, but you just have to be very diligent with that. Um, and then outside of that, uh, just focus on, um, you know, things like alert, alert software. So Amazon will sometimes break up a listing, you know, they might break up your colors. They might remove an image, for example. Um, that's where a software like AMZ alert will come into play where, um, it, it alerts you immediately, you know, that it, it notices a red flag on your account. So it could be, you know, Amazon reduced your price without your permission, um, or Amazon removed a picture, um, things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's leave it on this final question then. What advice would you give to anyone who is currently operating on Amazon or looking to operate on Amazon um, in this day and age? What what sort of advice would you offer them? Uh, you know, my advice really is, is two things. One is just deliver on your brand story. What makes you different and unique? What makes your product revolu- revolutionary? What makes it truly special? And then, and then also, you know, what how are you, how are you delivering that to me? You know what, every, every touch point needs to be optimized. You know, maybe your packaging, when I open up the package, does the tissue paper have your brand on it? Do you have branded stickers? For example, does it smell good? You know, how does it, how does it, you know, affect me when I, you know, I've, I've received some products from Amazon where I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to throw away the packaging. It's like that nice. And so that kind of like that ties into just making me come back for more and more. And basically the goal is to create brand loyalty. So on Amazon, you know, if I, you know, want to go buy a charging cable or I want to go buy computer parts, I go back to the same brand, to be honest with you. I'm not going and buying a bunch of random brands. You know, I've built up trust and you want them to come back to you over and over again. So that's the ultimate goal. I appreciate that, John. It's been brilliant having you on and uh, getting a much deeper insight into Amazon. I feel like I know so much more than when we started um, (laughs) yeah it's kind of like it's kind of scary but at the same time um exciting ish i don't know how i feel about amazon i don't know i feel uneasy but i also appreciate the opportunity that they're creating um yeah strange but thank you very much for uh how can people get at you uh yes i i run black label advisor Uh, i'm one of the top consulting agencies for amazon sellers uh so you can find me easily blacklabeladvisor.com um, you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, my email is uh, jonelder at blacklabeladvisor.com. Uh, feel free to reach out. I'm always making connections. And even if it's like a quick question of, hey, John, what software should I use? Or maybe you're looking for a business broker to exit your Amazon brand. Um, I have all those relationships ready to go. So feel yeah, free to reach out. Because anytime. you sold a brand, right? You sold an Amazon. Yeah, I actually sold five. So yeah. So that was, uh, that was part of my uh, big exit story. Um, and I've been in, I, anyone listening, I have a really great, great press page as well, where there's tons of podcast interviews, lots of value there, uh, free education there. So uh, feel free to, to dig in there as well. John, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we really appreciate you giving your time to us. To- Absolutely. Absolutely. Right, thank you for having me on. The fact that you're still here at the end of this episode tells me that one, you must have enjoyed it and two, you're probably as big of an e-commerce geek as I am. Thank you for sticking around and I just want to give a special thanks to Rewind, Clearco and Vixer for sponsoring this episode. You can find more information and the offers that are associated with those companies in the show notes below. Please also, if you haven't already, go to ecom.gold and subscribe to gold club you'll get alerts about upcoming episodes you'll get extra content like playbooks from each of the people and guests that we have on the show and you'll also get access to some of the exclusive content that we have coming up and finally do share the show with your friends give us a review Uh, it really helps us to build our audience i hope you have a wonderful rest of your day take it easy and uh, we'll see you next time